shun youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Have nothing to do with stupid and senseless controversies. You know that they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kindly to everyone. An apt teacher, patient, correcting opponents with gentleness. God may perhaps grant that they will repent and come to know the truth, and that they may escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. It's the word of God to the people of God. Thanks be to God. Now we got a couple Sundays left in this series that uh, has been finding inspiration in music. And today's came to me uh, a little differently. I just happened to be listening to a lot of songs from my youth, and I heard this one, and I thought this this is saying. A lot. And I'll be honest, I don't know that I ever thought I would be able to quote the band Collective Soul in a sermon. But this song sort of spells itself out as a prayer. Give me a word, give me a sign. Show me where to look. Tell me what will I find. Lay me on the ground or fly me in the sky. Show me where to look and tell me what will I find. Love is in the water. Love is in the air. Show me where to look and tell me will love be there. Teach me how to speak. Teach me how to share. Teach me where to go. Tell me, will love be there? Heaven, let your light shine down. I listened to those words and I was reminded of this verse. Because it reminded me of how we are always constantly seeking and learning and growing And it was that call, teach me how to speak and teach me how to share and teach me where to go. And will love be there? And I found it to be very relevant for the times that we're in. We're told to have nothing to do with stupid and senseless controversies. I don't know if anybody told them that it was an election year. (laughs) You know they breed quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome but kindly to everyone, an apt teacher, patient, correcting opponents with gentleness. 
And I'll be honest, I haven't seen a whole lot of correcting with gentleness in this election cycle. Lots of correcting, just not done with any sort of love or caring or kindness. And it got me to thinking about how we interact with each other and how we're always learning and we're always sharing and we're always growing. And we're always teaching while we're learning. And we're always trying to do so with love. And you know, I know it's hard. I know I get into arguments and suddenly the only important thing is being right. That my opinion, because it's mine, must be the right one and so this argument won't end until you admit that I was right and you were wrong and then we can be done because then everything will be right in the world. I'm sure it's never happened to you guys at all. You know, there's a problem with that, though. My opinion is built on my life experience. My opinion is built on what I have been taught. It has been formed by what has happened to me in my life. All of it has to do with what I have done and where I have been and what I have seen. And the problem is, is that I know that I have seen things that you haven't. And I know you've seen things that I haven't. You have experienced things that I may not be able to understand without a lot of help. I know I've lived through things that I have trouble explaining. But somehow, somehow when we get into an argument, I expect that you should accept my opinion as gospel truth because it's my opinion and we get into these quarrelsome arguments that don't really serve any purpose besides arguing and we stop learning from each other there's an interesting thing that happens when we step back and we try to approach these same situations with love and kindness that we step back and we say, tell me, why is it you think that your answer is right? Teach me. Tell me. Because I want to know. And you know, we may not agree with them after they explain it. But we do a couple of things when we do that. The first is that we lay aside this notion that we're always going to be right. We lay aside this notion that we have to be right. And the other is that we inject kindness into the situation that could be tense. We come to it with love and say, I want to know what you have to offer. I want to hear what you have to say. I may not agree with it, but I respect you as a person that I want to know 
why you think the way you do? And there's something about that. There's something about coming to a situation like that where we want to learn that changes the whole dynamic. Because no longer are we trying to force our opinion on other people and say, you must believe how I believe. We start off by saying, I want to understand where you're coming from. The other thing that that does that opens a door where they can say, well, you know what? Uh, this is where I'm coming from, but why do you believe what you believe? And it gives us a chance to teach. It gives us a chance to share lovingly why we have come to believe what we believe, why we have come to form our opinion the way we have. And you know, there's something interesting that can happen when you do that with love and kindness. People think long and hard about what you say. If you come at them harshly, if you come at them and say you're wrong, then we start talking past each other and not with each other. But we correct opponents with gentleness. Instead of just saying you're wrong, say, well, you know what? I understand it to be this way. And I know you may have seen it this other way. But I'm coming to you in truth and honesty. This is what I have seen and this is what I believe because of what I have seen. And when we come to people with that truth and that honesty and that love, it changes the whole way we approach it. And it's hard to do. I'm not going to lie. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that, oh, you can do this and it's going to be the easiest thing you've ever done. It won't be. If it were easy, we would see it all the time. We'd see politicians gently telling each other, well, you know what? I think if you look at the numbers, you might want to reconsider what you've said. But it doesn't come out that way. It comes out, my opponent is wrong and they know they're wrong and they should be sad that they're wrong. Imagine if we all acted like that all the time. If I walked up to you and said, white toast with butter and grape jelly is the best toast and if you don't believe that's the best toast... Well, you're all wrong and you should be ashamed of yourselves. But you know, we get that. We get that because in every little thing, everybody wants to be right. Every little thing, people want to take that high ground and say, this is mine and not yours. And the problem is they don't want to learn anything. They don't want to learn anything aside from learning that they're right. But whose mind do you change? Whose faith do you help grow? Whose life 
do you impact in a positive way? Who do you introduce to God when you proclaim that you're right and everybody else is wrong? It seems like a poor example to set if we want people to understand that we serve a God who's full of forgiveness and understanding. It would seem we have to learn to be forgiving and we have to learn to be understanding. And it's why we're called to be in unceasing prayer and constant prayer and prayer unending And it always sounds like such a huge task that we're called to do. Mainly because we think about prayer and we think about having to stop and bow our heads and to speak some words and then move on. If we're going to be in constant prayer, it means that we have to constantly stop and do it over and over. We forget that our body is helping us pray every step of the way. That we breathe in. And we breathe out. We breathe in. Kindness. And breathe out. Forgiveness. Kindness. Forgiveness. We are our beat. Love. Mercy. Love. Mercy. Love. Mercy. Every step of the way, it's there. We don't have to stop what we're doing and say, oh, time to pray. Because when we think about those things and we tie those words to our breath, we tie it to our heartbeat, we tie it to our footsteps. Gentleness. Love. We pray and we keep talking to God that whole time so that we can learn how to be more like God. So we can strive for that perfection in Christ where sooner or later we will come to that moment where we have finally learned what it means to forgive. We come to the moment where we finally mean, I forgive you. We finally show love fully, without hesitating at all. But it's something we constantly work towards. It is something that we have to constantly be learning and constantly be teaching. Because if we don't teach, how do we expect others to learn? If we don't set an example and be a light in the darkness How do people find their way out of the darkness? We certainly can't be the one who tries to shut them in. We certainly can't be the ones who try to drive people away and drive them out and say, God is mine and mine only. God can own us, but we can't own God. God's bigger than anything we could ever imagine. God can do more than we can even contemplate. 
But there is one thing I know. So when we get into these situations and we think about tearing each other down, I want us to all stop and remember something. Our God, our Father in Heaven, created this vast universe. Which means that our God created this earth, which means that our God created everything we see, which means our God created each and every person who walks this earth. God took the time to make each and every one of us. And we all know that God loved us sitting here in this room today before we ever had a chance to love Him. And that God extends forgiveness to us even though we don't deserve it. Because God values our lives. God values us as people. But remember that everybody we meet has that grace available to them. Everybody we run into, no matter how much we may disagree with them and however much we may not like them, God's offered that same grace to them. God has offered that same forgiveness to them that they must have worth in God's eyes. That changes everything about how we start an argument. Because can you imagine if you started an argument with somebody and the first thing you did was go, oh yeah, well, and we just marched right up to the altar and we threw the Bible on the ground and we kicked over the cross and went, ha! Because we wanted to tear down something that God values. That's somehow we do that. We know that God values each and every person that He put on this earth. Whether they want to admit it or not, we know it. And if we know it, it means that we have to treat them with the respect that we expect them to treat us with. But we have to come to them knowing that they have worth in God's eyes. And that's why we correct with kindness and why we approach it with love. Because if God can love them, there must be something worth loving in there. We just have to be patient and kind and merciful. And we have to be willing to learn. So I turn to God and I say, teach me how to speak and teach me how to share and teach me where to go and tell me love will be there.
Tell me that love will be there no matter what. And let me be a light so that heaven's light shines down and shows the way home. Because I know where I'm going. But I don't want to go there alone. I want all of those people who don't realize they have worth in God's kingdom to know there's a place for them too. And I know I'm not going to be able to show them that with anger. But I've got to show it with love and mercy. Because God's already shown that to me. So go. Learn. Love. And live how God intended us to live. In His light. With everything you do, heaven let your light shine down. Amen.